Welcome to the Empowered Eating and Living Podcast, where we dive into your inner world to explore all of the psychological, emotional, energetic, and spiritual components that may be influencing your struggle with food and eating. I'm your host, Sarah Emily Spears, a trained psychotherapist and energy worker who recovered from my own eating disorder. And now I help women just like you do the inner work to address the real issues keeping you stuck in your problematic eating patterns. Because I assure you, your problem with food is about way more than food. So join me and guest experts as we discuss the psychology of eating and healing and empower you with tangible steps you can take today to begin to improve your relationship with food and yourself from a place of true nourishment and care. Hello, friends. So today I get back from a yoga class. This is this evening. And I catch myself in a moment of awareness where I realize my hand is in the cookie bag and I am about to eat my fourth cookie of the day. But I recognize in the moment that the energy of this eating behavior feels very familiar. And you probably know this feeling, right? There's a difference between eating something because you're truly hungry or because you just desire to eat it. And the feeling of eating something from a place of compulsion, where you're eating not for physical nourishment, but to deal with something internal that doesn't feel good. Well, there can be a host of reasons why you might be doing it. Anyway, in this moment, I realize there's that frantic energy behind the eating behavior. There's a sense of anxiousness. There's a a compulsivity or out of control feeling behind it. I know this feeling because I felt it so many times before and I've built my own internal awareness of what this energy is like when there's an eating episode that I need to check and get curious about. Because one of the biggest things that I teach is that any moment where you have an eating episode and the eating episode could be emotional eating, it could just simply be food cravings, it could be eating past full, eating to emotionally eat, it could be more extreme like an intense binge and or purging. Those eating episodes are your brain and body's indication to you that there is something internal that you get to become a detective to get curious and figure out what is going on inside of me that is causing my brain to signal for me to eat, to try and make myself feel better, to numb, to soothe, to regulate. This is what you're going to be learning and what you have to figure out. This is what I teach in my group programs and one-on-one work is how you get to become your own coach, your own healer, your own expert of you and yourself and your body and your brain to figure out what's going on within the framework of the five bodies of health. So I want to share with you what I did because now I don't get angry at myself, right? I I wasn't mad. I didn't feel frustrated. I didn't criticize myself and go into the spiral of, I can't believe I did this and um, feeling the guilt and the shame that can follow. Instead, I just got curious because I know, especially for me, cookies are my like default food that I tend to crave and eat when my brain and body is trying to get my attention, that there's something I've been neglecting or overlooking, or just haven't made space to become present to. That's asking my attention. That's asking me to address it. And the same applies to you. I guarantee 99% of the time when you are emotionally eating or feel out of control around food, 
It's because you're actually not paying attention to what it is your brain and body is asking you to pay attention to. It's out of your conscious awareness, which is why the first step in changing your eating patterns and behaviors is to become aware to expand your awareness in the present moment of what is taking place so that from that place, you can then take empowered action to make a different choice, to change the behavior that you're making so that you can actually meet the true need. Now, I'm going to break this down, like I said, by giving you, walking you step-by-step through my own personal example from today. So you can learn from me and then you can practice this technique or this skill on your own. In DBT therapy, which is dialectical behavioral therapy, we call this a behavior chain. So the behavior chain, you literally go back to the start of your day and you walk yourself through your day moment by moment, identifying sort of the chain or the links in the chain, excuse me, that led to the eating episode. And once you have a full picture of what led up to the eating episode, you then get to sort of with your own like little detective work, identify what you could have done differently in those moments to produce a different outcome and then apply that new learning tomorrow or moving forward so that you start to change the pattern. You can break the chain of behaviors that have been taking place that maybe you feel a little bit stuck in or trapped in. Okay, so let's go back in time for me. And as I go through my day, I'm going to highlight some of the bodies of health that I teach so that you can begin to look out for these within your own life. So first thing I recognized when I looked at the start of my day, normally I like to start my day with a morning routine. And part of that morning routine is going outside in nature. I really try to start my day going outside, having fresh air, walking my body or moving my body to get the blood circulating and to have a little spaciousness to clear my thoughts, to ground, to connect, to align. I personally love nature. I call it vitamin N. I think it's an essential vitamin or supplement that we all need to feel healthy and well, both for our physical body and our mind and our soul. And that's why I've made it a priority to have that as part of my morning routine. This morning I woke up, it was rainy. So I decided naturally, okay, I'm going to forgo going outside. Didn't get my, my nature time in and instead opted to go to a coffee shop. I thought that feels really cozy. I'm going to grab a coffee. So I just recognized when I went back in time, interesting. I didn't have my normal morning routine to ground me. And normally that is the thing that sort of fills my cup so that I'm starting my day from a really full, grounded, calm, centered place. Without my time in nature, I realized I was kind of starting a little bit more depleted. Like I naturally was feeling a little bit more anxious and slightly off from how I normally feel when I'm out in nature. So mental note, I decided, okay, tomorrow, literally tomorrow, I'm going to make sure that I I get my time outside in. And I'm going to just notice like an experiment, if that has an impact on how I feel the rest of the day, you can do the same thing in your own life. First of all, do you have a morning routine at all? And second of all, what are the activities for you in the morning that help you feel really grounded and centered? That can be activities that both nourish your body and your mind so that you're starting your day from a really grounded and centered place and pay attention how your day unfolds when you 
start your morning rushed or frantic or something happens and you end up late to work. We've probably all had those experiences where it can really frazzle you and you start off on the wrong foot and it's like you can never quite get yourself back to that centered space and then your whole day seems to just be, you know, one thing not working out after another and it most likely is going to lead to a little bit more frantic eating. So don't underestimate the power of a consistent, and it can be simple, but a consistent morning routine or ritual that works for you and that works for your schedule. It doesn't have to be meditation, although meditation is great. Journaling, affirmations, reading, you know, some daily gratitude statements, going out in nature, even just a five minute walk. I personally like to just, um, talk to, I read this book, she called it, um, that she talks to the words without a voice. It's my way of conversing with God, right? You might pray or give gratitude. So figure out a morning routine that works for you. Great. Moving on. So then I go to the coffee shop. The coffee shop was a great little spot. I got a table, got my coffee. I sat down with my laptop with the intention that I was going to spend a few hours getting some work done and being really productive. And I noticed about 10 minutes in that I was having a really hard time focusing. There was so much noise in the environment. There were people all around talking. There was this big coffee machine behind me grounding coffee beans. And it just was a very frazzled energy chaotic almost. And I could feel that it was affecting how I was feeling as an empath, a very sensitive person. I have a very sensitive body, energy body, especially sensitive to sound and external environments and other people's energies. I was finding that I just was not feeling great in that environment. And I decided to leave. So second point for you, I assume if you're an emotional eater or you use food to self-soothe that you too are probably an empath. Okay. Very sensitive. You can easily pick up other people's energies or the energies in your environment. And that can affect how your body feels. That can affect your mind. That can affect if you're feeling more anxious or overwhelmed. And so you want to pay attention to how environments affect you. Because if you're not aware, your brain and body will default to eating as a way to try and regulate your body after being in an environment that was taxing. So I leave. I get home, I walk in the door, and I get straight to work. So this is the third thing that I realize because normally I try to be really intentional with transitions, and I wasn't today. I just went from going to the coffee shop straight into going into working at home without clearing my energy. Energy hygiene is one of the five bodies of health that I teach It's taking care of your energy body the same way you take care of your physical body. If you were outside and you got mud on you, you wouldn't just get straight to work. First, you would wipe the dirt off so that you were clean. And you want to make sure that you're doing the same thing with if you pick up like dirty energy throughout your day. And so normally what that looks like, it's either just being intentional and going through an energy clearing practice, which could take literally 60 seconds where you intentionally command and release any energy that you've absorbed from your body now that doesn't belong to you, that you picked up while you were out, or you could use sage or smudge. You could use 
um, a shower real quick with salt to help to cleanse energy off of your body. And then take a few breaths, reconnect to yourself in your center, attune to divine love or your higher self or your energy and your energy only. And then from that place, begin transitioning into the next activity on your day, in your day. Okay, so that would be just a very quick example of energy hygiene, but you want to be making sure that you're paying attention to how the energy of your environment is affecting you and if that may actually be influencing eating patterns. Because if you don't cleanse energy that you've absorbed from other people or your environment in effective ways, your brain and body, which I think I've already said, but it bears repeating, is going to try and find a way to help you feel better. And it will use food as a way to try and regulate a dysregulated system. Great. So now I go into working. I had client calls today from 11 until 2. Now, normally when I book my calls, I leave a lunch break from like 12 to 1. For whatever reason today, I didn't do that. And I just booked back-to-back calls. So I knew in my mind, ooh, I don't have time for lunch. And I decided that's okay. I'll work through it. I'll have some snacks in between calls. I made myself a quick smoothie so that I wasn't starving. But what I realized when I did my detective work on this behavior chain is that I was rushed when I was eating and I never officially had a lunch. So another thing you can pay attention to is how are you eating throughout the day? Do you have time to sit down and actually eat a meal uninterrupted for at least 10 minutes? Or are you eating at your desk? Are you eating while you're taking care of kids? You're eating while you're driving. You're eating while you're on the go. Because if you're eating while doing anything else but eating, you are mindlessly eating, which guilty of that today. And your body and nervous system doesn't have time to just pause and rest and digest. So I have noticed for myself, and I notice this with my clients, that one of the keys to starting to improve your relationship with food and how much you eat and how you approach eating is that you have designated eating periods where you're doing absolutely nothing but focusing on eating mindfully with presence because then you can pay attention to what you're eating and how much you're eating, more easily pay attention to your hunger cues identify when you're satisfied and full and be able to stop when your body's telling you it's had enough. But if you're working through through calls like I was today, it's a lot harder to pay attention to those things. Honestly, I'm just, you know, scarfing down on food, including cookies, because I just need to eat something. There's hunger arising and I'm doing the best I can to juggle many things at once. So lesson learned, I remembered, okay, this is why I give myself a lunch break because I feel way better and way less frantic. So now I'm seeing as I'm going through my day that I've just had this accumulation of little micro moments that are starting to build upon each other where they are impacting how I'm feeling, right? Not starting my day with time in nature was affecting how relaxed and grounded I felt. Being in the cafe was doing the same, going straight into my client calls without cleansing my energy and not without a lunch break was also adding to a little bit of stress and overwhelm because we also have this tipping point where if you're like, go, 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 go throughout the day and you don't have time to just stop and bring your nervous system and your body back to a state of regulation, back to a place of calm and grounded, eventually the anxiety keeps building until you reach the tipping point where once you cross that line, you've entered into this state of dysregulation 
right? Where you're like overly anxious or drained or tapped out or beyond reason. And that is when the flip is, yeah, the, no, the switch, (laughs) the switch is flipped. And you all know that, that point, there's a tipping point. If you really pay attention to your patterns where the switch is flipped and the eating energy changes and your brain is seeking out food. And it's a lot harder when that switch is flipped to be able to, to operate from the rational, logical mind because you're no longer in the rational, logical mind, right? Another energy has taken over. Okay. So continuing on with my day. So I have these calls with, um, my clients, which go great, by the way. I'm just hungry, a little hangry, maybe at the end and slightly tired from, from not being able to have my full lunch like I normally do. And then I have a conversation with an individual, which I realized literally while I was talking to this individual, I was simultaneously stuffing a cookie in my mouth because I was feeling so uncomfortable with this connection. I talk about, and I teach the concept of energy vampires or people who can sort of drain your energy or who can project their energy onto you. This was one of those people. And I could feel as we were conversing, like my entire body, like contracting with discomfort. Now, sometimes we just have to engage with people who we don't fully resonate with and we get to learn tools, how to interact with them. And sometimes in those interactions, when we're feeling really uncomfortable and awkward, we default to eating to try and just help ourselves feel better. And I fully own that I was doing that. And I realized, oof, okay, further confirmation that I'm going to continue to be intentional with who I'm choosing to engage with and when. And if these are people who I have to interact with, if it's somebody you have to interact with, especially if it's like your husband or I don't know, you know, mother-in-law, family, people that you feel obligated to engage with and you don't necessarily have the opportunity to tell them, uh, yeah, I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to see you this holiday. You know, those people, if you have those people in your life, then you get to start to become aware of your discomfort and you get to start to sit with the discomfort instead of turning to food to soothe and give you comfort in moments of discomfort in social interactions and situations. Did I do that today? No. But was I reminded of the importance for me to be aware when I'm feeling uncomfortable engaging with others? Absolutely. And my intention for myself is that I'm just going to take a few deep breaths. I'm going to put up an energy shield so that I'm not taking on their energy and they're not taking mine. And when I'm done with the interaction, I'm going to remember to disconnect from their energy. So I like to teach people the same way when we talk to somebody on the phone, it's like we made a, a connection with a telephone, right? I enter a number, we connect, we talk when we're done talking. If I don't hit end, we're still connected. There's energy still being drained from my phone. Like the battery is going to be depleted if I don't hit end and I don't end the connection. And the same thing applies when we're dealing with the energy of our bodies. You make an energetic connection with somebody just by talking with them, whether it's on the phone or in person, whether it's on Zoom, that would apply as well. And when you're done conversing with them, especially if it's somebody who you notice was affecting your energy, 
you want to just simply cut and disconnect from their energy. Like literally say the words cut and disconnect. You can even motion with your arm that you're cutting the wire or connection between you. You could cut it like a scissor. You could cut it like using a, a karate chop move. But anything to intend and symbolize breaking that connection is sufficient. Okay, so the final piece that I realized for myself today, uh, final two pieces, I almost forgot one. So after I'm off with this connection with this individual, I go into a yoga class. It was a hot yoga class. I typically don't enjoy hot yoga, but this one had live music and that sounded really interesting and lovely and pretty unique. So I decided I was going to go. The music part was great. The hot part, not so great. I, I just don't like it. I get dizzy. I feel like I want to faint. I don't see why that's fun. Yoga itself is enjoyable. Like I just don't want to be sweating during it. But here I was sweating, feeling uncomfortable and dizzy. So I lay down in the class so that I'm not getting like overstimulated. And so I don't pass out. But when I leave the class, I notice I'm like, I'm out of there, right? It's like, get me out, get me home. I want to be cool off. Like don't want to feel this way. And also don't want to pass out. And I come home, I get inside. And the first thing I do is I'm back to the cookie bag. (laughs) My goodness. It's like the, I'm telling you when your brain's in that default mode of feel better, help me feel better, help me feel better. It has its go-to foods and cookies are just always the one for me. And we happen to have some cookies from the holidays still. So I, um, just kind of start laughing at this point because I can realize what's happening. And then I started to go through the behavior chain process and I decided, oh, I want to share this with you guys so you can learn with me. But what I realized is there was this vulnerability factor that was at play for me. And you may have vulnerability factors at play for you as well. And the vulnerability factors are physical discomforts. Like if you are feeling under the weather, you may be vulnerable to emotionally eating. If it's that time of the month and you're on your period, that's a vulnerability factor. If you're over hot and ready to faint or you are dehydrated and really thirsty, those could be vulnerability factors where because of the physical discomfort of the body, your brain is telling you to eat as a way to try and help you feel better. And that's exactly what I was doing tonight after yoga class. So I realized that what I needed instead of cookies was to actually drink some water so I could hydrate my body. That's what my body needed. Great. The last thing that I did was I asked myself the question that I encourage all the women I work with to ask themselves. If I'm wanting to eat this because I think it's going to make me feel better, because it's going to taste good and make me feel good. What inside right now does not feel good? And so I asked myself that question because despite all these little micro moments that I pointed out to you, and these micro moments are important, especially because they stack up and and like build upon each other, right? Which is one reason why it's so common by the end of the day for you to be even more likely to have a bigger eating episode or to really kind of lose control by the end of the day, because there's an accumulation of these experiences that are affecting your body, that are affecting your literal physical and energetic states, right? Or emotional states. And therefore your capacity to have like the strength or the willpower or the reserve or energy to resist going into a default pattern of using food to soothe, like it's not going to be there right? But if you're taking care of these micro moments throughout the day, 
and you're recognizing, ah, I'm thirsty. I need to drink something. Oh, let me cleanse my energy. Ah, let me make sure that I carve out lunch today. And you're really tending to these small little shifts and behavior changes. You're setting yourself up to succeed throughout the day. You're setting yourself up to be less likely by the end of the day to have reached the tipping point where there's no turning back, where you've initiated your emotional eating cycle, and there's no way you can talk yourself out of it, right? Because the brain is like got a mind of its own at this point, and it's just eating and it doesn't care because it just wants to feel better. Anyways, so I am realizing that despite these micro moments, I can tell, and I can tell because I've done enough work on myself to know that there's still something I'm missing. It's like, yes, all those things are true, and I can tell there's an emotional thing going on right? There's something inside that I've yet to bring my awareness to. And so I decide to do my own inner exploration. Yeah. So I ask myself the question, what doesn't feel good right now? And I sit and I pause. And when you ask yourself the question, you may feel inclined to try and think the answer, but you also can just listen because usually an answer will emerge, um, emerge from the body wisdom, emerge from a sort of um, an intelligence or your own higher self or like the inner knowing, right? But sometimes trying to think and solve it with your cognitive mind isn't actually going to, to show you what it is that you need to know. So listen and the answer will emerge. And so I listen and the answer that emerged was you've put a lot of pressure on yourself. It's the start of the new year and you've put pressure on yourself to make this year the best year of your life. Like that's something I told myself at the turn of the new year, because last year for me was one of the worst, most challenging years of my life. And so my like intention is I'm going to make sure that this year's like better than last year. And the statement I said was, this is going to be the best year of my life, the right intention. But the impact of that statement is that I now feel pressure. Like, okay, now I got to like do something, right? The pressure to like do something or become something or make something happen so that I don't feel at the end of this year, like it was another really difficult, challenging year that I was so unhappy because things weren't going the way I planned, right? So my controller kicked on, my perfectionist came in. They were like, how can we make sure this year's perfect? And it's only day four, but already I realized, man, I'm just feeling a little anxious from the pressure I've put on myself. It's like I'm overanalyzing how I'm planning my week. It's like I'm already putting pressure on myself to like plan a cool vacation and just trying to figure out the finances for the vacation was creating stress for me and trying to figure out the details was creating stress for me. And it was like, oh my gosh, I'm creating stress for myself. And I'm realizing that I don't like how that feels. Like if I'm putting this pressure on myself, I have the capacity to also remove the pressure. Ah, And just with that realization alone, I was able to take a few breaths and actually release the pressure. It was like, okay, the awareness itself changed the energy I was experiencing internally because up until then it was unknown, but I made the unconscious conscious and I was able to begin to shift it. So now instead of putting pressure on myself to have the best year, I've changed my motto, which is I just want to have a really peaceful, relaxed, feel good 
not only year, but life, which means I get to start right now, which means I get to just give myself a break. And I was able to start laughing at how silly this little human mind of ours can be when it creates all of the self-imposed rules and pressure that we put on ourselves. So that's what I discovered when I asked the question, what doesn't feel good? And typically I find, this is probably true for you, that there are plenty of ways you also are putting pressure on yourself. That like one of the most common internal discomforts that women face is a result of the pressure you're putting on yourself to lose weight, the pressure to eat perfect, the pressure to be the perfect mom, the perfect wife, the perfect employee, the pressure to um, be better in terms of um, like have better followers on social media or better work outcomes, like whatever it is that you do, you know, the whole pressure that we put on ourselves, it's not helpful. Now, when you check in with your emotional body, you may have all sorts of other emotions that are going on inside of you. You know, you might be feeling overwhelmed because you literally do have a lot that you have to do. You may be feeling frustrated with coworkers. You may be feeling sad about things not going the way you planned this past year. I had a dear friend whose mother just transitioned. Like there's so many things that could be affecting you contributing to not feeling well. And your job is to just get curious and start to understand what those things are to have compassion for them, to accept them, to take a few breaths. And then depending on how intense it feels, like for me, my recognizing I was putting pressure on myself and it didn't feel good was enough for me to release the pressure. But if it's a bigger or more intense emotion, you may need to do more intense emotional processing, like using emotional freedom technique or working with a practitioner to help you process it because some emotions can't be released that easily. It needs a little bit more love, a little bit more safety, a little bit more support. And that's something that you get to do or figure out for yourself. So there you have it. That was my day. That was my day. That was my behavior chain. Those were my realizations. And now I have clarity on what I get to do starting, not even tomorrow, like that I've already started to do for myself by being kinder to myself this evening, but that I'm also going to put in place tomorrow so that I can just continue to feel good. That's what this journey really is. It is a journey of learning how to take more loving care of yourself, more loving care of your body, and of learning how to truly meet your needs in any moment as they arise. And this is one reason why the journey can be frustrating because people just want the magic pill. Like, tell me the one thing to do so that I suddenly feel like all my problems are gone. My problems with food, my problems with eating, my weight problems, my self-confidence problems, my insecurities. Like, how can this all just go away? And it doesn't work that way. The path of learning to truly love yourself, accept yourself, and and improve how you think, feel, and behave, to improve your eating patterns, to live in a way that's aligned with your deepest truths and your highest self. It's a moment-by-moment process. It's an unfolding process based on what's arising in the present moment and how you are showing up for yourself in the present. And how you show up for yourself in the present requires awareness of the present moment And because we're human beings, most of us don't have time initially on the journey to just stop in the present moment to check in with yourself, 
So that means you get to do this at the end of the day. If you don't have awareness in the moment, create space at the end of the day to reflect on your day, go through all the links of your day that created the chain that led to the eating episode. And you're not doing this to shame yourself. You're not doing this to judge yourself. You're not doing this to find evidence as to why you're failing or you'll never get better. No, no, no. You are doing this so that you can better know thyself. And from this place, you can figure out how to better support yourself, how to better take care of yourself. This is not about perfection. This is about progress. This is about the journey. And you are learning how to gradually shift your patterns of being based on learning how you're currently operating. So moving forward, give yourself space at the end of the day so that you can go through your own behavior chains, learn from your days, learn from your experiences, and apply the new learning moving forward from a place of self-love and compassion. Thanks for tuning in to the Empowered Eating and Living podcast. If you liked today's episode, make sure to follow the show so you don't miss future ones. And if you loved it, then please leave a five-star review so that we can share the love with others who may benefit from listening too. 